Welcome to the Entrepreneur Hot Seat, where I talk to entrepreneurs and business people from all walks of life and all levels of success, from millionaires to the people who are just starting out and everyone in between. My objective is not only to learn about their businesses and goals, but about their challenges and fears as well, all with the hopes of helping them and you find a pathway to success. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I am your host, Andy Storch, and I am so excited that you're joining me today for a conversation with my friend, Travis Chappell. And Travis is a direct sales expert, an entrepreneur, a real estate investor, and a super connector. He is the creator and host of the Build Your Network podcast, which is dedicated to helping professionals cultivate genuine relationships, grow their inner circle, and leverage a powerful network that will light the way. Uh, He's also involved in a lot of different things, mastermind groups, real estate investments. He's running a business out in Southern California. And I'm just excited to dig into all of this and hear the story. So Travis, welcome to the podcast. Andy, thanks so much for having me on, man. I'm so happy that we're finally able to get this uh, in the books and make it happen. Yeah, it's been a long time coming. Uh, We're recording this in April and we met back in August at Podcast Movement. So it's been about eight months. And I remember you had just started your podcast. I was a few months into mine and we said, hey, we're definitely going to interview each other for the podcast. And, you know, we started trying to book it. And yeah, I think each of us probably had to cancel a couple of times and, you know, (laughs) life gets in the way, but uh, we finally were able to, to bring this together. And the cool thing is the longer you wait, the further we reach are into our journeys and the more things we have <laughs> True. to talk about. True. You know? Exactly. Yeah. And uh, I, I've been really excited to talk to you because we have so much in common. You're like a younger version of me in some ways, only you're doing <laughs> more at 25 than I was, I think. But you know, getting into entrepreneurship and real estate, I love, but especially the networking, which is something I've always been uh, known for throughout a lot of my career and some of the things you've been doing to build that, uh, I think are excellent. So for people that don't know you, let's, let me start from the beginning, share a little bit of your background and some of your origin story and how you got to where you are today. Yeah, for sure, man. So um, I've always kind of been that entrepreneurial type of a kid. So even when, you know, elementary school, I don't know if I don't know if you guys listening remember remember this, but there was there were these like little ovens that you could buy, and you put these put like goo in them, and then you could put it in the oven, and you get you get to make like these little rubber insects out of them, like a creepy crawly machine almost. And I got it for Christmas one year. I don't know, I was like seven or eight years old, and I started making these little bugs and bring him to school and I would sell them to the other kids for like a quarter. And like, if it had multiple colors in it, it'd be like, oh, good, that, well, that one's 75 cents because it took, you know, longer to make because it's got, you know, red, white, and blue. It's a patriotic, you know, caterpillar or whatever, whatever the heck they, they actually were. So I was doing that elementary school and it just, just kind of was always something that's always been part of my DNA. And so headed into high school, I started a landscaping business with a with a buddy of mine. My parents have been in real estate my entire life and they had some connections to some real estate investors who were doing a lot of flips back then. And so I, this was back in like 2009, 2010. So right when the market was headed down, almost hitting rock bottom at that point. So there's some investors that were in the area just buying up a ton of property. And so we would basically go to these flips and bid a landscaping job and uh, to put in some sod and uh, fix sprinklers and just random things like that. And then we also had some lawns that we would mow on a, on a weekly basis and edge and all that kind of stuff. So that was like my first real stint into like actually making a little bit of money. So it was heading into my senior year of high school. So I was 16 at the time. And we, it really, it was just fun. Like it was me and my best friend and we just like worked 
you know, the entire summer, but it was always on our schedule because we owned the business, obviously, so we could do whatever we wanted. So um, really, we were just high school kids that had money instead of high school kids that didn't have money. So we just kind of, uh, it was it was a fun summer. We, we, could, we did whatever we wanted. We, you know, drove, went to the beach whenever we wanted, but we also got some work done and made some money. So I don't know, made, made a few thousand dollars, nothing like crazy. It was probably less than $10,000, but still in the summer when you're, you know, 16, that was, you know, more than you made your entire life combined. That's so, pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. So the biggest aha moment for, for me from the entire thing though, Andy, was when it was September or October and we just got back into school. So obviously we didn't have time you know, to go do the labor on the jobs that, that we had because of school. We had school eight hours a day and then a football practice and then extracurriculars and then studying and all that kind of stuff. And I was always doing something uh, you know, extracurricular in school anyway. So just my time was just, I just didn't have any. And so I hired some college students to do the, the labor on the, on the jobs that I had booked right before we got into school. And uh, so I, I was sitting in class one day, obviously not paying attention to whatever the teacher was saying and doing some math, figuring out how much money I was going to make on a job that I had sold but didn't do any labor on. Excuse me. So I was um, managing the job. So I would just stop by once a week or so to make sure progress was happening and everything was going well and all that kind of stuff. But I, didn't, I didn't have to do any of the actual physical labor. And I was doing all the numbers and I was like, oh my goodness, I'm, I'm actually going to make a little bit more than the guys that are doing the labor on the job. Then you know what I mean? Like just sitting here in class and like stopping by once a week. And it was just big aha moment for me because I was like, man, like there's so much value in creating a customer relationship. There's so much value in selling something and owning something because I was the one who created the relationship. So because of that, I was able to pay other people to do work that anybody can do. And so it was just a huge aha moment for me. And that, that was kind of what sparked it going forward. And then from there in getting into college, I basically just, I was over landscaping, didn't want to do it anymore. I was paying somebody to mow all my lawns. We didn't really have many big jobs that we were doing. I was playing college basketball. I was going to school full-time, all that kind of stuff. Didn't have time to do a lot of different things like that. So I just paid somebody else to do all the labor for me. And then I wasn't making much off the top of it because I paid them to do everything. Then a buddy of mine started doing door-to-door sales for a solar company and basically showed me one of his paychecks one time. And I was like, really? You did that in a week in like 20 hours? That's crazy. And it, it, was, it was like 800 bucks. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't a ton of money. But back then it was a ton of money. When you're used to looking at jobs that are like, oh, we'll pay you 12 bucks an hour to make phone calls for 40 hours a week. And it's like, okay, so 12 bucks an hour, 40 hours, that's $480. You know? And so he shows me a check for $800 for 20 hours of work. And I was like, okay, there's something to this. So I was like, can you give me an interview? He said, yes got an interview, started working, got promoted my first week, got promoted my fourth week and got promoted again like my second month to the point where I had a, I had a whole team at that point. So I became a team leader within a couple months and I was managing a team of sales reps basically. And that was really the start of my door-to-door career. From there, switched to another solar company and then got recruited by an alarm company up in Fresno. Um, started working door-to-door alarms for a couple of years. Then uh, started doing uh, door-to-door water machines for a little bit. And then at that point, I was like, you know what? I'm sick of building sales teams for other people because ultimately, I'm building an entire sales force, but they're the ones making the decisions with what they want to do with it. And I don't have any control over it. So this is stupid. I'm going to start my own thing. So last year, around this time, about March, February of last year, 2017, I went ahead and started my own water company. And 
and been going with that ever since. So I know at the beginning, you mentioned uh, Southern California. We actually moved away from Southern California about two, three months ago now. We're actually out in Vegas to kind of plant our flag out here. The water quality in, in Las Vegas is horrible. So that's where we headquartered the business. And then during this whole thing is when I really started getting into podcasting. And um, when I was really trying to figure out what I wanted to do um, after I was done with the security company, I was like, man, I got to figure out what I really want to do. Dove into personal development, found a mutual friend of ours, John Lee Dumas, and started following his content like crazy, listening to Entrepreneur on Fire like crazy, looking at his income reports and just remember just thinking like, this is mind-blowing. This dude just, he podcasts and he's making like $3 million a year. He, there's like virtually no expenses in podcasting. So when he grosses $3 million, he nets like $2.4 million. Um, and I was just, just mind-blown. I was like, I have to meet this guy. So I saw that he was putting on a mastermind at his house in Puerto Rico. So last May, I flew out to Puerto Rico, did the mastermind at John's house. And then I went to podcast movement to work his booth for him, which is where you and I met Andy. And then went to another couple conferences with him, one in Australia, one in Vegas, and just tried to help him out as much as I could. And so started the podcast and started the water business and then been doing some real estate investing. And it's been an incredible journeys from there. I know that's a lot, a lot of stuff, but uh, that's basically everything that's happened in a nutshell. That's okay. It is a lot of stuff. And uh, don't worry, I'm furiously taking notes over here of uh, things I want to follow up on because there is so much there to learn from. And possibly the, the biggest, most interesting thing, we don't have to go down this rabbit hole, but the fact that you were 17 in high school paying college kids to, to do work for you, right? Yeah. <laughs> to do, to do but, it, but that is the incredible power of, like you said, having the business and the relationship versus doing the work. And outsourcing that, there's so many lessons to gain from that, right? And that, you know, business owners being able and willing to outsource the work so they can have more relationships and do other things. And the fact that there are so many people out there who are willing to do work, but don't know how to go out and sell or get the relationships. And therefore, they're going to be making less money because they're going to be working. Yep, yep. exactly, exactly. So that really interesting that you you discovered that at at such an early age and you know started getting into the door to door stuff. I tried to, right after college. I got into a little bit of door to door sales, also with an alarm company. Oh and, yeah, uh, I did not do very well. I probably should, <laughs> I probably should have stuck with it longer, and maybe I'd be more successful than I am today because I know there's a lot of resiliency that you have to develop in uh, in knocking yeah, on doors sure. and trying to sell people stuff. What was it about that specifically? Because it sounded like that was actually a, a big part of your your development and journey. What were the big lessons uh, you took away from that that made you better at sales? Oh yeah, huge man. And I, I, I'm by the way, I'm still in door to door. Like that's that's where I've made the majority of my income is door to door sales. I, I just basically have always tried to find the next product that I think will perform better and that will make more money with a shorter turnaround time. Like I've basically just tried to like really do research and figure out what would be the best thing for me to sell. But uh, the company that I own right now, the way that we make sales is all door to door. I have a team of about five guys that I say five guys, but there's there's a couple girls on there as well. So um, I have a team of about five people that we go out and knock doors and sell deals. So um, now my focus is more on training them and then obviously like running the company. So I have to do a lot not a lot of my job description is knocking doors anymore, but I still get out on doors with my team. I try to do it at least once or twice a week. And sometimes that sometimes my schedule doesn't allow for it. But but yeah, it's a, it's a huge part of a huge part of my journey. I mean, I would not be the person I am today without door to door sales. It teaches you so many things. I I tell anybody that's like coming out of coming out of high school, like I think that door to door sales will give you a better education than college will, especially if you're trying to go into business. Door door to door and network marketing. I know. 
two widely hated industries as far as consumers go. Right. Um, you know what I mean? Like people hate MLMs and people hate door-to-door salesmen. But you but can. That's why those. they're such great training grounds, right? Exactly. You exactly. know that people hate it, and if you can persevere and be successful, <clears throat> you can be successful anywhere. Bro, so many people skills that I picked up that I just didn't even realize that I had. Like so many things that I was, I was reading people just because I did it for so long. And then like now that I'm, now that I'm obviously like, like trying to become more of a thought leader in, is in this like business entrepreneurial space, I've been like reading a lot more and digesting so much content and books, audiobooks, podcasts, all this kind of stuff. And I'm learning, I'm learning what I already knew. I'm just figuring out that there's like actual terms for what I already knew. Does that make sense? So like I'll read this book on like the psychology of selling and uh, I'll read this like, you know, this law of psychology or whatever, you know, this biases and stuff and be like, oh man, I've used, I've used that for like four years. I just didn't even realize it. I just knew that it worked because I became so good at just reading people and having communication skills and being able to, being able to talk to somebody who you've never met before and actually get them to buy something that they were not thinking of buying previously. Like there, there's so many, there's so many skills that are that are taken from something like that. And man, I, I owe everything that I have to, to door-to-door sales. And that's why, that's why I still have a company that does it. You know, like if, like if I just took the majority of my margin and spent it in marketing, I could get myself enough appointments to where like I can make a lot of money just selling by myself without having a team. And I could focus on the podcast and real estate investing. The reason I have my company is that I love being able to help other people have the same experience that I've been able to have in door to door because it's helped me make a lot of money. It's helped me make a lot of friendships. It's helped me gain a lot of skills and abilities that I would not have. And I love providing that to other people. Yeah, that's so cool. And I'm thinking as you're saying this, that there's been this connection. If, if people listen to my podcast for a while, they might remember. I've had quite a few guests who are very successful entrepreneurs who came up in uh, Cutco Cutlery. Mm, and yep. Just so much great experience from making call, making cold calls, going door to door, selling knives. Yep. Uh, but it could be anything as long as it's a decent product they believe in to get such great experience. And I can see all the lessons that come out of that. The other interesting thing that you you mentioned um, that you left that you got tired of building sales teams for other people mm-hmm. uh, because then they had all the control ultimately of what was going on. They also reaped all the rewards, right? All the money. Whereas you're going and building your own sales team, and a lot of people might say oh, why am I doing this for other people? I should do this for myself. But then they don't actually make the jump and go do it for themselves. So mm-hmm. was there kind of a, a, a turning point or an epiphany or something that happened that caused you to say, okay, I need to just go do this for myself. It's going to be a lot more beneficial. Yeah, great question. There was, and I think this is, sometimes I look at the I look at this part of my personality as a weakness. Sometimes I look at it as, as a strength that I haven't quite figured out which one it is. But when I'm done with something, like I'm done with something. You know what I mean? Like I I don't share that like hold on to it for a long time just because of sentiment or fear of like what's coming next. Like I, I just I just don't have that. So um it was it was basically after I was doing my taxes for twenty fifteen. It was it was my best year ever. I was like twenty two years old. I just cleared six figures in door to door alarms and I was looking at my income and I was happy with it. I wasn't like complaining about it or whatever. I just I just realized that like I was the second highest paid rep in the whole office and I was 22 and it was my first year ever doing it. So I was like, even if I stuck this out for another three years and just worked my butt off and doubled the amount of hours I was putting in, because in, in 2015, I was the second highest paid rep, but I worked 
like 20 hour work weeks. The highest paid rep wasn't running a team like I was. So he basically was just all in his personal production. So he was putting in like 40, 50 hour work weeks. I was putting in 20 hour work weeks, but I had a team and I was just selling myself. I still outsold my team and made sure my team was doing well. So I was trying, I've always been like a work smarter, not harder kind of a person. And uh, so then I was, so then I was thinking like, okay, how do I increase my income here? And it was like, well, I've already worked smarter. So now I've got to like work smarter and work harder. But even if I did that for the next couple of years and got better and better and better and had a giant Rolodex of clients, like the most I'm going to be able to make is like 130 grand, 125 grand. And even if I stick this out for 10 years, the most I'm able to make is maybe like 150 grand. So I was already nearing the ceiling to where I was when I was 22. And it was a really scary feeling for me. So I just stopped doing it. I didn't have a plan of what I was going to do next. I didn't know what I was going to do. And like I said, sometimes I think that's a weakness because it was stupid of me looking back. Like I should have stuck it out for another five or six months while I figured out what I was wanting to do next. But for me, like when I'm done with something, I'm done. And I think it's a little bit different if you're doing 100% commission door to door something versus like if I had like a salary job, because if you have a salary job, you can come in and still get paid every Friday, regardless of how much you're producing at work. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Whereas 100% commission door-to-door sales, if I'm not 100% in it, I can't just go like half-ass it on doors. You know what I mean? Like I have to like be there and be present and actually do well with it. And I knew that my, like mentally, I was just like, no, I don't want to do this anymore. So I just checked out and I was done. Yeah, it was a, I think that's, I, I still haven't figured out if it's a weakness or a strength, but sometimes I see some people hang on for way too long. And I think myself, I think I gave it up a little bit too quickly. So there's probably a balance there, but uh, yeah, I'm not sure. It's probably both, like you said, uh, but in this case, it served you well, right? As part of your journey and it, it forced to really think about and figure out what you were going to do next. And mm-hmm. you didn't mm-hmm. have the luxury of, of really like building that on the side. And like you said, you're in sales, you've got to keep hustling while you're there. I've been in those other salary jobs, like you said, where I was collecting a salary was a job I didn't like, but I kept it because I had the salary coming no matter what. And I would work on a side business, you know, during the day or or whatever. And, Mm -hmm. and again, that's a, that's a luxury and a curse, you know, a strength and a weakness because I've got this great benefit where I'm kind of getting paid to work in these other things, but it's also something that I would hold on to too long or people hold on, would hold on to too long. Cause it's Mm -hmm. like, well, I don't want to give up this great benefit, this great salary. And then I'm not, I'm not forced to really, really go hard and pursue the next thing they want to do, which is I'm sure is what you had to do. So how did you figure out that next thing? How did you figure out the water thing? And was that like a franchise or something you started yourself? How did that work? Yeah. So, so kind of going back to the last question about why I wanted to build something for myself. And I think those will kind of tie into this question. Mm. Like I, I'm not upset at the companies because like because bottom line is everybody has a job in the organization, right? So I was 100% commissioned, so I didn't have a job, quote unquote, but I still had to go, you know, do stuff on a daily basis. And I still had to like play my role in the, in the company. And so sometimes playing that role is going to be different for different occasions. And so I, I wasn't upset that it was ultimately their decision to do what they wanted with the team that I built, you know, cause like, that's how it is. It's their company. They're the ones taking on all the risk. They're the ones that has to pay marketing. They're the ones that have to pay, you know, the staff and for the office space and for brand and all that stuff. Like all I had to do was sell and manage. So I understand that. But I wanted to be hitting like seven figure numbers. And I talked to the owner of the company and he was like, yeah, this is just not going to be possible here. He actually tried to like convince me to like only be to like be happy with making a quarter million. And uh, I was like, okay, 
but that's not what I want to do. And so there's, there's just this ceiling that I just knew I was never going to go past. Wait a minute. What kind of a business owner tries to tell their best salesperson (laughs) that maybe you should slow down and not try to shoot for the stars? Yeah, it was, it was crazy, man. The, uh, The thing is, I love the guy to caveat this whole thing. He, he was like my first real business mentor and he helped me through a lot of things and I would not be the salesman I am today without him and his uh, influence in my life. But yeah, there was a couple weird things that he had. I, I think that he just wanted control um, really is, is what the bottom line was. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he knew that if I started growing and growing within his company, he knew that I might like start shopping other deals outside of his company and then take the sales force that I built and start my own company. And I think that whole thing kind of freaked him out. And so he was just trying to like convince me that like, actually, you know, like you could take on a few more teams and like you could probably boost your income up to like a quarter million, but that's better for the IRS purposes and like all this other stuff. And I was like, okay, but you don't understand what I'm saying. Like I have big dreams and I want to accomplish those dreams. Mm-hmm. Like whatever you're saying right now is just going in one year and out the other because I don't want to stay at quarter. I don't want to stay at a quarter million. Like I'm not looking to make this a career. Like I'm not looking to make door to door alarm sales as a career. Like I'm looking to yeah. take the next step and push myself and like get, you know, hit the next level. And, uh, and he basically just, it just wasn't the right fit in his company, you know, and, and that's totally his right. It's his company. He owns it. He started it. He put in the blood, sweat and tears to make it happen. Like he's the one who spent hours and hours on doors. Like still to this day is the best salesman I've ever met. He deserves everything, all the success that he had, and he deserves to be able to control what's happening in his company. But that was the, that was the big thing for me is that mm. I wanted to be able to control that. So I was like, well, just, just, this isn't going to work out then. Like I got to go do something that I'm going to be able to like have the control of that I'm going to be able to hit the next level with. And so I, this is the time where I was started just diving into personal development. I was just basically, my schedule was like, I wake up, go to the gym, come home and just like dive in personal development, books, audiobooks, um, podcasts, like anything that I could get my hands on. And just started becoming the person that I needed to become in order to make the decisions I needed to make. So later towards the end of the year is when I found John Lee Dumas's stuff. I started uh, uh, taking his podcasting course and started looking at that as a real avenue. But then I started realizing that it was more of a business, not something that was going to pay me next month. It was more of like a two, three, four, five year long-term build. And I was going to have to dump time, energy, and money into it. And so to do that, I needed to make some money now. And a buddy of mine was doing uh, that I did uh, alarms with started doing door to door water. And I was like, okay, well, let me try this out. Margins were a lot bigger, made a lot more money when I tried it for like two weeks, made like 15 grand in a couple weeks, just in door to door water sales. And I was like, okay, there's something to this. And about three months later, it made it a lot easier. So it was, it was kind of difficult leaving the alarm company because it was a really well-managed company. And like I said, the owner I was really good friends with, it was, it was easy to stay working there. The company that we started working for with water was not that way at all. It was super unofficial. Like I felt like the training was bad. Like everything was just not up to, up to par there. So it was really easy to leave that company. And I was like, you know what? Screw this. I'm done. I'm starting my own thing. Um, so basically we're a dealership to answer your second question. So it's not, to, it's not really a franchise, but we deal for a manufacturer. So we don't actually manufacture anything in-house. Like we, we basically go to a manufacturer, we buy product from them, and then we sell it to the customer, keep the margin between. Man. Interesting. So yeah, you, you started to, to see where your upper limits were and, and you found this opportunity. You also sound like someone, Travis, that has built this uh, a serious skill around door-to-door sales that is superior to what a lot of people are capable of. It's almost like you could go out and start teaching courses on this and, and how people can be successful in this because <laughs> I'm sure the water is, is a good quality product and I know mm-hmm. the value of good quality water, although a lot of people are probably listening going, 
how does he sell water door to door? I have free water in my house. Um, and that could be a whole nother story. But it sounds like you yeah. could be selling almost anything as long as you believed in it. So is that something that you thought about pursuing as well? Uh, yeah, I've thought about it. I've thought about it. It's for sure a skill set, like you said. It doesn't matter what the product is. Once you have the skill set down, as lo- but the caveat you added at the end is super crucial for me. You have to believe in it. I don't have to be passionate about a product. Like I'm not passionate about like getting alkaline water into every home in Las Vegas. Like that's not a passion project of mine. But do I believe in the product? Yeah, definitely. Did I use the product? Yeah, definitely. It helped me lose weight. Like I totally believe in the product. I'm not passionate about it, but I. I definitely believe in it and that allows me to sell it. So anything like I tried sale, I tried uh, during this whole time before I got into water, I tried selling for, uh, for Home Depot. I was a 100% commission Home Depot sales rep and I would go try to sell like it, it was still in-home consultations. I would go try to sell like window jobs and uh, roofing, siding, uh, gutters and all, and all that kind of stuff. And a buddy of mine does really well with it. He pulled like 300 grand last year selling for Home Depot. Wow. And so I was like, okay, well, I'll, I'll give it a shot. Try it out. And did it for like three months, bro, four months. And I was like, nope, I'm done. I can't. It's just, I did not believe in the product at all. Mm-hmm. So anytime somebody would offer an objection, I'd just be like, yeah, yeah you're I right. agree with you. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're right. Hey, hey, you're right. You're right. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, I don't, like, I got, I'm not going to try to overcome that because if I were in your shoes, I would make the same exact decision, you know? Mm-hmm. So like, I, I was only selling to people that wanted to buy at that point. And that's not how you make good money in sales. Making yeah. good money in sales is is how is that extra ten to fifteen percent that you can convince to buy when they didn't know that they wanted to buy in the first place. That's where you make the money. And if you don't believe in the product, it's really hard for me anyway. Some people are okay with it. For me, I was just like, I, I don't I don't believe in this product enough. We were charging just insane markups just because of the Home Depot name, and I, it mm. just wasn't my thing. Just wasn't my thing. A lot of people do well with it. It is a great product, a fantastic product. It was almost too fantastic. Like if I was getting new windows in my house, like it would not need to be this fantastic. Like I don't want to pay 15 grand to get new windows at my house when this other company is going to bid the job at five grand. And like, like with that much of a discount, even if they totally mess it up three times, I still paid the same amount of money. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's, if there's like a 20%, like if it was like, okay, well they're charging 12,000, we're charging 15,000. I can overcome those objections because like we're Home Depot. We have like Right, right, right. But But three times. I was just like, okay, yeah, I would go with them too, to be honest with you. You know, like my dad, I come from a real estate family. So my dad does a lot of real estate flipping and all that kind of stuff. So he has his own window guys and construction guys and stuff. And I was talking to them and their prices were way low. I just wasn't something I could believe in. So it's not something that I could sell. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, once you have the skill set, you can, you know, basically sell anything. I've thought about doing the, the door-to-door training, but to be honest, it's not something that I want to like really go after. Um, I would rather go after people who just need help in sales in general and help those people. So there's a lot of door-to-door trainers out there and so a lot of them are better than I am. I'm better than 99% of people who knock doors, but the 1%, you know, like the, the, the half a percent that's better than me, they're like really, really good. And and they've been doing it longer than I have, and I would, uh, I would, I would cede to them. And I'm sure there's be, there'd be some people that are willing to pay me for my expertise in it. But uh, I would rather talk with people like that are more like internet marketers that are used to doing a lot of stuff online, and but now they have a big coaching package that they have to sell over the phone, and they've never done that, and they're like scared to talk to people. Like those are more the people that I would that I would prefer to work with rather than door to door. Yeah, well, maybe we should get into that a little bit. I think that one of the, in talking to people and and getting into entrepreneurship and having a lot of conversations, I think one of the biggest pitfalls when people become entrepreneurs, and this is the opposite of maybe whatever challenge you might be facing, is that people have a, a great product or a technical skill or something they know they can offer, 
but they don't realize when they get into entrepreneurship that they're now in sales and they've got to sell themselves and they've got to yep. sell their company. Exactly. And you know, you mentioned earlier the value of sales and the value of relationships. I've noticed it. I've been out there getting into coaching and other services that the people who are able to bring in the customers, bring in the clients, usually take a greater percentage of money or at least equal than the people yep. that are actually doing the work because <laughs> so much value in just getting the client there in the first place. A lot of people have the skills to do the work, provide the service, mm -hmm. but they don't know how to get the clients or get the customers in the first place. Yep. And I know you've gotten big into sales, not just door to door, but you know, the coaching you mentioned and the networking stuff. This episode of the Entrepreneur Hot Seat is sponsored by Advantage Performance Group. Advantage is the first place to call when you need leaders to lead, sellers to sell, and your business to flourish. At Advantage, we offer creative learning solutions that can help accelerate leadership development, business acumen, sales performance, and business results. Our clients say we're imaginative, collaborative, insightful, and fun. For more info, visit AdvantagePerformance.com or call us at 415 925 Six eight three two, and now back to the show. So, how did you get into like what was the 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 drive behind the networking podcast and this kind of platform movement that you're starting around that? Yeah, so to be honest, it was it was kind of on accident. Uh, when I was looking to start a podcast, I was like, well, what would I, what would I talk about? What would people listen to me on? I was like, oh, mm -hmm. sales. Like I'm good at sales. I can I can talk about sales. Yeah. And uh, so I I went on iTunes and I searched sales, and there was only like 3.4 million podcasts that popped up that were about <laughs> sales. You know what I mean? So I was like, okay, that might not be. And like John Lee Dumas's number one rule is like niche down. Like right. the riches are in the niches. You know, right. niche till it hurts. So like when right. you think niche down enough, niche down one more time. So I was I was like, well, this is not going to work. <laughs> you know, so I was like, but what's something else that I know that I've done that I've been really, that I've like had seen some success in and that I believe in and networking was the second thing. It was just like, whenever I've, whenever I've seen like a major level increase. So like going from making like 50 grand in 2014 to making over a hundred grand in 2015, the biggest thing was I rub shoulders with my mentor. I rub shoulders with somebody who's made, you know, seven fifty to a million in a year knocking doors, selling alarms. So like rubbing shoulders with him is what allowed me to then just double my efforts, like literally exponentially increase the amount of money that I was able to make. So I was like, man, there's, there's definitely something to networking. There's definitely something to Jim Rohn's law of the, you know, five people that you hang out with, you know what I mean? So I was just like, man, there, there's definitely something to this. And I searched the iTunes for networking. And I was like, there's going to be a ton of podcasts out there on this too. And to my surprise, there, there wasn't there. I mean, there's some podcasts that have a show every once in a while where they'll talk about it. Um, Jordan Harbinger talks about networking um, fairly frequently, um, but there was no show that was dedicated to talking about networking every single episode. And I was like, I think that's an opportunity. I didn't call myself an expert. I still wouldn't call myself an expert. I'm just, I'm just more of a detective, to be honest. Like, I'm just trying to figure out how, how to do it the right way. And I, I talk to people who are really good at it on my show and they bring the value. All I do is ask the questions and uh, it's been going really well. Yeah, that's great. And networking is something that I discovered around, actually around the time I turned 25. So around your age, I went to business school and, and uh, read a book that really changed my life, my perspective on that called Never Eat Alone by Keith oh, yeah. Rossi, mm -hmm. uh, which you may be familiar with. And I used those, those skills, that learning to build a lot of relationships when I was in business school at, at USC out in, in LA. I ended up becoming president of the business school and just a lot wow. of great things that happened from there. And it was all from 
just being very conscious about networking and not doing it in, in some kind of inauthentic way, but actually like building a lot of great relationships. And I've seen the power of that. And it's, it's awesome to see how you connect it directly to the bumps that you've made in your salary or the, or the successes that you've had in your career. And I also appreciate that you, you're more open about you know, numbers and, and, and money that a lot of people are because I think a lot of people are always curious, like, okay, well, what does that look like? How, can, you know, how much money have you made doing that type of thing? And speaking of that, one thing I want to drill in on is that, at least from my perspective and following your journey and talking to you, one thing that's made you really successful and allowed you to surround yourself with these great people is that you've been willing to invest money in going and doing it, right? You invested money in going mm-hmm. to that John Lee Dumas mastermind and going to conferences and joining the mastermind that you're in now. And these are expensive things that other people are like, whoa, I'm not going to go pay money to meet people. But I do it all the time and I see the mm-hmm. benefits of it and probably yeah. not even as much as you. So could you talk about that? Like how much was that first uh, mastermind in, in Puerto Rico and had you done anything like that before or was that the first big leap into a yeah. relationships? Yeah, really good question. Um, this is something that I that I teach on a lot on my show because I've seen the direct benefits of doing it. There's no faster way to build an explosive network than investing in masterminds. There's no faster way, it, especially when you're going from knowing nobody. Uh, so like last year at this time, I literally knew absolutely nobody in this space. Nobody. Like never talked to anybody. I was in my own little circle in Fresno, California, like going door to door selling alarm systems, like literally didn't know anybody. And it wasn't even for a big company. So like uh, for, for people that might be familiar with door to door, they might be thinking, oh, maybe he worked for Vivint or for Skyline or for some of these other companies. And these big corporations fly in people and they're very well connected in the business and personal development world. Like Grant Cardone sponsors Skyline now. I had the CEO of Skyline on my show recently. It's $40 million alarm company. Vivint's a billion dollar alarm and solar company door to door. Like I didn't work for any of those guys. I worked for a small central security group dealer out of Fresno know. There was like 30 of us in the office, 35 of us in the office or something. And uh, that was that was what it is. So it, was, it was like, I literally didn't know anybody. And then now fast forward a year and literally my network has, has exploded, bro. Like I, I can't even like, if you would have asked me this year, this time last year, like what I envisioned my network to be like right now, like there's, I would not have told you what it would be like right now. I'm like, uh, literally there, I have people on my schedule. I have a billionaire on my, on my interview schedule that's coming up at the end of this month. Like just people I just never would have pictured talking to. And I, and I owe all of that, I believe to the money that I've been able to invest into mastermind groups. So to answer your question, the first one that I went to was with John Lee Dumas. It was $6,500 for the weekend and and uh, plus flights and all the other expenses and stuff. So it ended up costing me about 8,000 bucks just for a weekend. It was like a Friday, Saturday, Sunday or something like that. Thursday night, I think is we had a dinner Thursday night and then it was like Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So two days of mastermind days and then a fun day at the end where we like took a catamaran or something around the island and everything. So um, so it was about eight grand that I, that I invested on that first mastermind. And uh, uh, the, the biggest difference, the biggest game changer for me was I didn't go into it thinking, what can I get out of this? Because that was my initial thought, right? It took me like two weeks to make the decision. I remember I was, I was backpacking down in Central America with a few buddies. And I first saw it on JLD's Instagram story in Panama. I was just like, I was going through it. And he was like, I'm having a mastermind at my house. It's going to be called Portapalooza. We're going to do like three days of intensive masterminds. We're capping it off at five people, you know? And I was like, oh my gosh, like that would be so, so perfect for what I wanted. Like, I really want to meet the guy, but I, 
I want to make a difference. I don't want to be like one of the thousand other people that meets him at a conference or something. I was like, I really want to actually get to know the guy and build a relationship and a friendship with him. And I was like, okay, so how do I make this happen? And it took me about two weeks. I was like flying back to, I was flying to Florida from Belize and I was, I was in the airport and I was like, you know what, screw it. I just, I just got to do it. And, uh, uh, made the payment for the, for the mastermind and, uh, went forward from there. But when I was thinking about making the payment, I was like, okay, I got to get this, 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 and this out of this in order for me to make this investment worth it. But then as soon as I started thinking that I just scrapped it and I was like, no, that's not the reason I'm doing this. If I gain any knowledge from this, it'll be just the cherry on top. What I'm trying to do is build a real relationship. So I was like, how can I come into this offering some value? Um, How can I come into this to be able to actually give something back to somebody like John? Even though I'm paying him to come to his house, how can I give more? You know, How can I differentiate myself? And so when I was there, he was talking about that he was going to be selling journals at uh, at Podcast Movement and that he needed... Actually, he he asked me just to train the guy that they they had working the booth because he was like, oh, you have a ton of sales experience. Can you just like talk with them for like 15, 20 minutes since you're going to be at the at podcast movement anyway? Just like do a little bit of sales training with them. I just help them out. I was like, bro, I'll work the booth for you if you want me to. And he was like, oh man, that'd be super cool. So I volunteered to work the booth. I've paid for myself to get out there. They actually comped my, my podcast movement ticket, which was nice. But I paid for my travel, paid for my hotel. I, I had them ship all the journals to my house. I brought them all with me in my Corolla. It was like packed out with boxes and stuff. And uh, so we get uh, to Podcast Movement. And that's where you and I met, working the booth for, for John Lee Dumas. But then when, like, while that was happening, he was basically like, Hey, I'm, doing, I'm speaking at another event in September. It's called Thrive. And I want to sell some journals there too. Would, would you be willing to help out with that? And I was like, oh yeah, for sure. hundred percent. And uh, so this time the other guy wasn't able to make it out. So it was like me being in charge of the whole thing. And uh, again, paid for my own travel to get there, paid for my own hotel, like all that stuff and volunteered to work the booth. I didn't get paid for any of this. I was just doing it for the relationship. Worked Thrive for him. Um, ended up being a really, really good event. While I was there, um, the guy that puts on Thrive, which we were talking about a little bit before we hit the record button, was uh, a guy named Cole Hatter, who's made millions of dollars in, in real estate investing and now has this big event that some of the biggest names in business have spoken at in the past and all that kind of stuff. And so it was really cool to be able to make this connection. And John Lee Dumas and Cole are really, really close. So what ended up happening was John gave me an intro to Cole. And like literally he took a picture of me and him at the booth and he was like, Hey Cole, I want you to meet my, my boy Travis uh, before you take off. Um, he has a couple questions for you. So obviously a very powerful introduction. So I meet Cole. We talk a little bit about a week and a half later, I decided to join his mastermind for 2018, which was cost me about $15,000 to join, to join his mastermind. And uh, that's what I've been doing ever since. Dude, that's, uh, that's such an awesome story. And it's awesome because you made the decision to invest in this, which was a lot of money. I know you've been making pretty good money, but still a lot of money. A lot of people would not do that. I remember seeing that opportunity and be like, ooh, I don't think I can pay that kind of money yeah, for a weekend yeah. in Puerto Rico. But to see where it's taken you, you know, following mm-hmm. him and going and doing those things. And you know, I've been doing a little bit of that here and there and seeing how that gets you in the inner circle of certain influencers that just don't have time. Like John Lee Dumas yep. is not going to sit there and respond to Facebook messages and emails from the thousands of people that want to talk to him. If you meet him at a conference, that's a little bit better, but still tons of people are coming up and shaking his hand, but spending the weekend with him at his house in Puerto Rico and then volunteering at his booth, hanging out with him, like you're a go-to guy now. You're in the inner circle and you're getting introductions to these other people and then paying money to join the masterminds to get those other connections. And by the way, 
you know, you're talking about these couple of big time influencers, but the people who are also there, who I'm sure you met at his house in Puerto Rico and the mastermind you're in now, mm-hmm. the type of people who are also going to pony up thousands of dollars to join something like this are usually going to be pretty high achievers or successful people that you probably want to be around, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yep. It's the, it's the connection with John, but it was also the connection with the other people there. Yeah, just uh, it's so cool. And by and while we were there, by the way, you know, I we met at that booth. I ended up buying a box of twenty Freedom Journals because I was already a big fan. <laughs> and I don't know if it was a wise decision on my part or something you sold me into, but <laughs> it it got it. You know, it's a smaller, a much smaller example of uh, what you did because it got John and Kate's attention. They know who I am now. We've corresponded a little bit. I ended up having a call with him. I've got them both booked for my podcast, um, and it was because. Not only we meet there, but I, you know, showed passion for their business, invested in it, you know, hung out, talked, bought the books. I've been hanging right. out. They know that I've been big in their group and promoting their stuff to lots of people. And it's been impactful to my journey and that I've been trying to help them with their business as well. And, and that's another great piece of advice I've heard from others is that if you want to try to build relationships with big time influencers like that, you've got to find a way to help them, to add value to them. Like yep. you went with that right mindset, which is just so rare. And yeah. where it's taking you is awesome. So where is all this taking you? I mean, you've got the the networking podcast. You're getting all these great people on there. Where where are you going with all this? Yeah, good question. So the the podcast for me is it's a tool, right? It's a medium. So it's more for me about the brand that I'm trying to build, which will be, I think, really over the course of the next five years. Um, it's going to be like a long term thing. So right now, it's the podcast. I think in the future, it'll be more forms of free content followed by more forms of paid content, and then like courses and stuff like that. And then from there, I, I really want to create a, an event, a live event, uh, like the ultimate networking event, the the one to go to to like meet the right people. And it's less about speakers and more about connections and, uh, and stuff like that. So that's kind of what my long-term vision is for it, which will obviously create speaking gigs for me. And then I uh, would love to write a book about this topic um, with all the stuff that I've been learning. You know, I've interviewed over a hundred people now on my show. So I've been able to talk to literally billionaires, CEOs, multi-multi-millionaires about how they build an inner circle. And it's just been invaluable knowledge that I've been able to gain through it. And so um, some sort of a book, like it's really just this, it's, it's, an, it's an entire brand and community about this whole idea of networking. And the cool thing about the topic is that it doesn't stop in the business world. Anybody can get better at networking and increase their ROI on if you have a job. Networking is crucial to get promotions and get in the C-suite someday if that's your goal. If you are an actor, networking is crucial to network with the right producers, network with the right casting directors. Like, uh, you know, if you're an athlete, like the right agents. You know, there's literally, like, literally, literally anything that you're doing getting to know people who have been there, done that, and have seen a tremendous amount of success in that specific industry, like that is still invaluable wherever it may be. Um, So I see this brand continuing to expand even further past just the business world and to be able to get into more of those celebrity type circles. But uh, but yeah. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that about networking. It's a lot of people I think know the importance of it, but some are like, oh, networking, that scares me. Or how do I do that? Or why do I do that? And it's not even just about building a business. If you're just, you're, you want to have jobs or better jobs. I mean, I tell people all the time, I, I'm 38. I've had a lot of different jobs and businesses and startups. And I look back over the years, every job and business opportunity I've had has always come from a relationship, from my network, from meeting people. 
and then having conversations. And so it's just so important to keep talking to people. You never know what's going to come out of it. You don't know what's going to come out of this conversation today. You know, any conversation. That's also what I tell people the, the big benefit of this podcast because it doesn't connect to my business. It's a hobby. It's something fun. Mm-hmm. But the great conversations I've had, like you said, you know, mm-hmm. I've, had billion, yeah. I've had billionaires and CEOs and so many great people on here and just having those conversations that you wouldn't normally have if you weren't doing the podcast. And in the past, I, I want to make a, a quick shift on this because in the past, we, you know, networking has been all about going to events and meeting people in person. And I think that's still so important. And I invest a lot in going to conferences to meet people too. But I know you've also been doing a lot of networking via online groups. And I have mm-hmm. as well, right? You've got a Facebook group and I think you're active in some others. So tell me like, what has that done for you and where do you see the big opportunities there? Yeah, man. So I, th- I think that if you're not taking advantage of the opportunities that social media has in front of us, especially from a networking aspect, that you're definitely missing out. You know, networking in person, I'm, I'm a big in-person kind of, kind of guy. Obviously, I do door-to-door sales. I like talking to people. I like seeing people. I like being able to look at someone in their eye and like shake their hand and stuff like that. I'm, I'm pretty old school type of millennial when it comes to that kind of stuff. But if you're not taking advantage of the, of the online capabilities that we have now, you're definitely missing out. And so Facebook groups is, are such a powerful, powerful way to do that. I'm actually wrote an entire ebook on it, which you can find at buildyournetwork.co slash FB. Um, for Facebook. So buildyournetwork.co slash FB. Um, there's an ebook there and there's also a link underneath the ebook to join my Facebook group um, for, for my podcast listeners and stuff. So we'd love to see you guys in there if you're listening to this and, and you want to connect further. That's the best way to do it. Just go in there into the group and uh, say what's up, put a little intro, add me as a friend, shoot me a message, like all that stuff I do on there. But Facebook in general, Facebook groups are just so undervalued, I think, because everybody's worried about Facebook ads, right? Everybody's like, well, how do I, how do I make money with Facebook ads? And like, how do I, how do I use Facebook to generate income? It's like, oh, well, you just got to, you know, put, a, you put, you know, a thousand bucks a month on ad spend and like, you know, split test these different ads and like see which ones produce. And like, there's definitely merit to that. And people made millions and millions of dollars on that. And I'm not saying don't do that, but I'm saying if you're bootstrapping your business and you don't have a lot of extra money, I would rather see you spend money on a mastermind than spend money on Facebook ads and then use the free part of Facebook to still push your business forward and network. So first of all, the number one thing that you got to do before you even start reading the ebook and implementing that stuff in Facebook groups is you got to clean up your Facebook profile. If your Facebook profile sucks, like that's like your billboard online. That's like your online business card. Think about it. When you meet somebody at an event that you've known online for a long time and they don't look like their profile picture, you don't even recognize them, right? So like literally your profile picture, like your cover photo, like that's how people see you. Like that's, that's how they, that's how they like go, you know, that's, that's what they associate with your name, you know? So like it has to be something that's somewhat professional. Like if, if you want, if you want to network properly online, like you can't have a picture of your cat as your profile picture. Like you can't have a picture of like your favorite sports team as your profile picture. Like it's got to be a, a, a clean, it doesn't have to be like actual, like you don't have, like I'm not recommending to go get a thousand dollar photo shoot, like just a clean looking, somewhat professional picture of you. And it can be, and I'm not saying be totally serious. It could be quote unquote whimsical or whatever you want to do with it, but it's gotta, it's gotta be clearly you. I hate the ones where it's like you and like three other friends. And then the next one is you and two other friends. I have to search like, like 12 profile pictures in to see which one's actually you. Like I hate that stuff. Like don't make it harder for people. There's too many ways. There's too many things grabbing our attention. So have a clean profile picture. 
get a professionally designed cover photo. If you're not a designer, get somebody to design one for you. It's like 40 bucks, 50 bucks. Save up the money and make it happen if, if, you're, if you're bootstrapping your business because that uh, cover photo is literally like a billboard. Like it shows people exactly what you're doing. So if you go to my Facebook profile, you'll see a professionally designed cover photo that says, recognize any of these people. And there's pictures of some of the most well-known people that have been on my show. And then it says, then you'll love my podcast. And then, it, and then if you look down at my profile and in my little bio section, I don't, I don't have something like this. Serial entrepreneur, lover of life, enthusiast for food. Like you don't see that kind of stuff on my, on my bio. Like that's all nonsense. Like it doesn't really mean anything. So like if you go to my Facebook profile and look at my bio, I believe it says, I help people network the right way by asking experts how they do it. And then there's a link to my website. Boom, like clear cut, simple. You go to my Facebook profile, you see my podcast uh, cover photo, a professional uh, profile picture. You look at my bio, it says that. You know exactly what I'm doing. Uh, oh, he has a podcast. Interesting. Okay. Oh, he helps people network from his podcast. Oh, interesting. So he has a podcast about networking. Oh, I, I recognize that guy. That's John Lee Dumas, or that's Patrick David, or that's Ivan Meisner. I recognize, you know, I might, I might go check out an episode. And then the link is right there in my profile. And then I don't have this like long bio of like my previous 12 work, like, you know, jobs and my previous, like where I went to high school and college and like, cause that just prolongs what people have to read. So I only have what's necessary. Before I'd, I didn't even have where I lived before because it wasn't a well, a well known place. So I took that off. Now that I live in Las Vegas, it is a well known place. So like I have that on my profile because I want people to know that if they're like flying into Las Vegas, they can meet up with me. So I think that's a, an interesting part. So I keep it there. Like anything that's not there, like it's not there for a reason. Anything that is there, it's there for a reason. Um, so just be more on purpose with your Facebook profile. Make it something that's really, really easy for people to connect with you on. That being said, now you can download the ebook. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of different ways, um, which we can talk about. I know that we're running out of time here, Andy, but uh, there's a lot of different ways to, to use Facebook groups to leverage your connections online. And, uh, but the first step before you do any of that is you got to clean up your Facebook profile. It's, it's, your, it's your online business card, basically. So you know, make, make the most of it. Bro, you, I, you and I both know that you can learn a lot of things, but there's nothing like taking action. So I actually just saved, changed my Facebook profile photo and uh, cleaned up my profile while you were saying <laughs> <laughs> There we go. Um, I agree with you, man. It, it's so important. And I always go to other people's and I'm like, okay, what do they do? And it's so hard to figure things out. Yeah. And um, I, because I'm in B2B sales, I spend most of my time on, I spend a lot of time on LinkedIn and I'm, I, I'm always like, updating my LinkedIn profile and haven't spent enough time looking at my Facebook profile, even though I also do a lot of networking and relationship building on Facebook as well. So I appreciate mm -hmm. you, you bringing that up and I made that change. And then, so you, you've done that and you've got the ebook and then now you're going into different Facebook groups and what's the real quickly before we wrap up, I mean, what's the, what's the strategy there to start to build your network in these, these groups? Yeah. I, you got to pick a select uh, amount of groups. And then the first thing is add value. You, you can't go into a Facebook group and treat it like a cold calling situation. A lot of people will go join like 35 Facebook groups and then they'll go drop the link to their landing page in every single one of them and then get upset when nobody clicks on it. And it's like, look, Facebook is an algorithm. It ranks posts based on like recent activity and stuff like that. So if you've never posted in this group before, you've never liked uh, in this, anything in this group before, you never commented on anybody, anybody else's post, you've never like scrolled through posts, you never spent any time and you go in there and post a link. It's First of all, Facebook doesn't like links anyway. They don't like anything that takes you off of their 
site. So they're going to de-rank that post immediately anyway. Plus, you've never been in that group. So they're not going to rank that post higher anyway. So like you have 80,000 people in a Facebook group, you post a link in there and you're like, this is going to be seen by 80,000 people. And really, it's probably only seen by a dozen people. And they're like, who's this guy? I'm not going to click on that. That's stupid. He's being spammy. And like, so they don't get anything. So then they get disappointed. And they're like, oh, Facebook groups don't work. And it's like, no, you don't work. <laughs> like, you got to do something different. Change it up. It works. You just got to figure out what that is. So always, always, always add value first. I like to, there's, like I said, more practical tips in the, in the ebook. Um, based like stuff like ask questions, include emojis in your posts, different things that are more attention uh, grabbing and, and promote actual engagement on your posts. So what I do is if, uh, if I just posted something on my personal Facebook that I want people to see. So for instance, recently I released an episode with Lori Harder, who's like a, a, a really well-known fitness entrepreneur, runs a couple seven-figure businesses. Uh, uh, she just spoke at Grant Cardone's 10X Growth Con. Like she's just really, really well-known person. So I wanted to promote that episode. I posted on my Facebook profile. Then I went into a few of uh, top Facebook groups that I'm in. And I just made a couple random posts about just asking a question, just some, some sort of business question like, hey, you know, what's your number one tip for networking? Or what is, you know, it's just something that adds value and promotes good conversation in the comments. And then people that go and engage on that, I'll go back, I'll, com- I'll comment, I'll reply to every single comment that's on the post. Sometimes it's been like literally, I've had posts that had, get over 400 comments in a Facebook group and I go in and I reply to all of them because that continues to boost the post and continues to put it up at the top for more people to see it. And then I'll go through and the people that that are on the same line of thinking as me, I'll uh, click on their profile, add them as a friend. What's the first thing that they're going to do when they accept my friend request? Go check out my Facebook profile. Your profile right. They'll go see the billboard that I just put up, right? They'll see my recent post that I just had Lori Harder on my show. If they know who that is, they're going to be like, oh, wow, that's crazy. They, she, he had Lori Harder. They'll look at my cover photo and see some other people that they may recognize. You know, Some of the Facebook groups that I'm in, I've gotten the admins of the groups on my show and I put those pictures on my cover photo on purpose so that somebody, when they go over there, they'll see like, oh man, they have the admin of this group that I'm in that has 80,000 people in it. He's been on the show. That's crazy. That's interesting. And then they start following. Like, this is like grassroots marketing type of stuff. But I don't have to spend a dime in Facebook ads to be able to do this. Like, it just takes time. Like, you, when you're bootstrapping your business, you either got to invest time or you got to invest money or you got to do both. If you don't have any money, you got to make up for the money that you can invest with time. You know what I mean? So, like, you can't go, you can't, you may not be able to afford to spend a thousand bucks on Facebook ads, but can you take two or three hours after you get off work to go post in a bunch of Facebook groups and comment and engage and add people on your Facebook profile to get them to engage on your content? Yes, you can do that. So the first thing is always give, always, always, always give. Um, and then ask questions, promote good engagement. There's a lot of different tips in the ebook if you want to check it out. But uh, those are just a couple things to, to get started with. That's awesome. I love it. You've got to give value. You've got to provide engaging content. You've got to, you know, intrigue people. And then, you know, if you can dedicate the time, it's fun too. It's always fun to engage in those conversations. I'm always mm-hmm. just limited by the amount of time I can do it. But yeah, I, right. I've been really involved in, in a couple of groups, uh, one of them for dads where I've gotten to be, I've just built so many great relationships, talked to so many people, some friendships. I'm actually going to, to visit uh, a friend this weekend that I met through a dad Facebook group. And our families are getting together this weekend on vacation oh, nice. because we That's met, cool. you know, we met through a Facebook group Right, uh, and I've got a lot of stuff like that. And then it's just, it's awesome. So yeah. I agree with what you said. I, I also love the in-person stuff. That's where you really see people's personality, but you're really being, um, you're missing an opportunity if you're missing not an opportunity yep. in, in social media because that's where everybody is these days. Um, Travis, we got to wrap things up. Uh, for anybody who's listening, who is um, inspiring entrepreneur, they're thinking about uh, you know, leaving their job to go into business and, and do something like you did, or maybe start a podcast. 
what's one more big piece of advice you'd give the first thing that maybe they should do uh, before they take that leap? Yeah, I'll give you something philosophical and I'll give you something practical. Philosophically, you got to be patient. A lot of people hear the word entrepreneur and they think they have to quit their job tomorrow or they're not a real entrepreneur. That's a bunch of bullcrap. Like a lot of this is about timing and about being smart. So like if you know that if you quit your job today, you're not going to be able to pay your bills next month, don't quit your job and go start a business. Like it's going to take, it might even take years for you to make actual revenue in that business because a lot of the money that you're making at first has to go back into the business. You can't afford to pay yourself. So like don't underestimate what it takes to start a business and quit your job immediately. Like if you have a job and you want to get out of it and great, like you know that you want to get out of it and that you want to start a business, but don't do it at the expense of like, you know, foreclosing on your house. Like I I just don't think that that kind of stuff is worth it. There's a level of practicality that a lot of people just neglect because they feel like they have to be the quote unquote entrepreneur that quits their job and has this awesome story like a Damon John. You know what I mean? It's just like, don't feel like you have to be like that. Like as long as you're willing to dedicate the hours between like, you know, 7 or 8 p.m. and 2 a.m. to work on your business, like, yeah, it's going to take a lot of work, but you're going to actually have money in your bank account to be able to pay your bills, not be stressed and actually be able to focus on solving real problems in your business. And the cool thing about it is like my podcast is a business in and of itself right now. But because I make good, a good money from my water business, all of the money that I make in my podcast literally goes directly back into my podcast. So I don't have to take, I don't have to take a salary from it. I don't have to take a draw on it. Like I put it back into my show uh, so I can make, make my show better and make the quality of my guests better and make, make so much stuff better. You know what I mean? So don't feel like you have to do it. Don't feel like you need to rush anything. Just be patient. So that's philosophical practical thing is join a mastermind. Um, I'm such a huge believer in masterminds. Um, it's just been able, it's helped me to be able to skyrocket, um, where I've come and where I've uh, come from in the last year or so. So, um, that's very, very practical. I would just go research a few. Um, I actually just am starting one right now. So, um, if you're really interested right now, then shoot me a message and we'll talk about it. Um, but, uh, if it's not mine, just find somebody's that would be a good fit for you and join a mastermind that's going to put you in front of people that you really want to know and people that you really want to be surrounded with. I love that. That's such uh, great advice. I've been in mastermind groups consistently for the last two years and I can easily correlate that to uh, a huge amount of success and growth and um, improvement that I've made in my life over that time. Mm -hmm. And I'm always looking for who else can I surround myself with? What other groups can I join? And I'm sure that yours comes with some great connections given all the people that you've been meeting through this networking. So definitely yeah. something to, one, one to maybe check out. So with that, on that note, people that are interested in finding out more about you, I know you've got a Facebook community, you probably have a website, you've got a podcast. Where do people go to find out more information? Yeah, I spend a lot of time on Facebook and Instagram. Instagram is just at Travis Chapel. That's C-H-A-P-P-E-L-L. On Facebook, like I said, just head over to buildyournetwork.co slash FB. Um, that's just the best way to do it because there's a link right there to my Facebook group. And I'm obviously the admin of that group. So um, once you get in the Facebook group, it's really easy to find me there. And then just connect with me on Facebook, shoot me a Facebook message. And there's a link right in the welcome post of uh, of my Facebook group. There's a link there to schedule a one-on-one uh, like 15-minute chat with me. Um, love to talk to anybody that's uh, that's uh, wanting to talk to me. So uh, just go to the Facebook group. I'll add you in. I approve almost everybody that comes in. Just, you know, there's a few people I haven't, but most people I, I approve. So once you get approved, go into the uh, welcome post, click that link, schedule a quick call with me. Love to chat with you sometime. Cool. And what's the link for the ebook again? Buildyournetwork.co slash FB. Buildyournetwork.co slash FB. 
Okay, buildyournetwork.co slash FB. Uh, this has been awesome, Travis. So many more things I think we could talk about. We may have to do some more sometime to talk about networking and some of the things that you've seen that have come out of all of this. Um, but I appreciate you coming on and sharing uh, your journey and your insights and some of the things that you've done and learned. And it's good to know you, bro. It's good to have you in the network. So thanks again for coming on. Yeah, I appreciate you, brother. Thanks a lot for having me on. All right, man. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Entrepreneur Hot Seat. You can find more information at entrepreneurhotseat.com or my personal website, andystorch.com. Please don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes. And if you have any questions or comments, or if you are looking for ways to take your life and business to the next level, you can send me an email to andy at andystorch.com. Take care.